Tonight's scripture um, involves a story about David with lots of hard-to-pronounce Bible names, by the way, and then followed by a psalm. So I'm reading from the uh, English Standard Version, and I'll first read 1 Samuel uh, chapter 23, verses 19 through 25. Then the Ziphites went up to Saul. Let me take this off. Sorry. Then the Ziphites went up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, "Is not David hiding among us in the strongholds at Horesh on the hill of Jeshimon? No, hill of Hashalah. Sorry, which is south of Jeshimon. Now come down, O king, according to all your heart's desire, to come down, and our part shall be to surrender him into the king's hand." And Saul said, May you be blessed by the Lord, for you have had compassion on me. Go, make yet more sure, know and see the place where his foot is, and who has seen him there, for it is told to me that he is very cunning. See, therefore, and take note of all the lurking places where he hides, and come back to me with sure information. Then I will go with you. And if he is in the land, I will search him out among all the thousands of Judah. And they arose and went to Ziph ahead of Saul. Now David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, in Arabah, in the south of Jeshimon. And Saul said to his, Saul and his men went to seek him, and David was told. So he went down to the rock and lived in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that, he pursued after David in the wilderness of Maon. And then I'm going to read Psalm, let me find it, Psalm um, 54, which was written by David during this time. Uh, so David says, in Psalm 54, English Standard Version, O God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. O God, hear my prayer, give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me, ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will return the evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness, put an end to them. With the free will offering I will sacrifice to you, I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. This is the word of the Lord. There is a, a study that came out recently that showed that birth rates um, and marriage rates decreased significantly over the last 10 years and plummeted during COVID. Fewer people are getting married, fewer people are having babies. And nobody's sure why this is happening, but there was some speculation about why it might be happening. And, and one of the theories was that perhaps people are losing hope. Uh, maybe people don't want to commit to marriage or to bring a child into this world because they don't feel hopeful 
about the future of the world that they'd be bringing the child into. COVID hasn't helped this. The Lancet, uh, a medical journal, recently conducted a global survey and found that all around the world, uh, depression and anxiety is up by nearly a third over the past year. So uh, folks are struggling to find hope. People are longing to have hope. And Advent, as Matt just uh, so, so beautifully kind of introduced us, is this season when we pay attention to our longings, to what we desire, to what we want. And this Advent, we're going to be uh, paying attention to our holy longings, to borrow a title from a wonderful book. And each week to look at a different longing and to name it and explore it and See how that longing might lead us to Jesus. Before we allow David, uh, the shepherd king poet, to be our guide, and we'll look at a different psalm of his each week during Advent because he so beautifully expresses his different longings, uh, let's just take a moment to talk about well, what do we actually mean when we talk about hope? Um, Kate Bowler is a professor of theology at, at Duke Seminary and... Um, was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And she has started a blog and written a book about her experience. And I was listening to her being interviewed. And one of the things she said was, how do you have hope when you have stage four cancer and there's no cure? And you have two children who need their lunches made. Well, what does hope look like in that circumstance? Um, you know, and I think we all probably understand that biblical hope isn't the same thing as a wish. Uh, the things we hope happens, uh, that, that's not exactly biblical hope. We hope COVID goes away. We hope there's health in our families. That's not really what we're talking about, right? Because God doesn't promise us those things. The Hebrew word for hope emphasizes trust in God. James 14 or Jeremiah 14, 22, are you not the Lord our God? We set our hope in you. The idea is that kind of the posture of your life, no matter what you face, is one of trust. And the Greek word builds on this idea and then puts the focus on, on Jesus as the source of our Hope, 1 Timothy 4.10, we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. One of the great passages in the New Testament on hope that if you just picked one, and if you're going to go over this in your small group, this might be one to just sit in for a while, Romans 5, 1 to 5. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we've obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because 
God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So Christian hope is not necessarily that all of our problems will be solved or that all of our suffering will go away, although our kind God encourages us to ask him for the needs of our heart. But it's it's more claiming the promises based on the character of God. Christian hope is more this idea that God will be with us. That's part of our hope. Christian hope is that God uses difficult things to refine our character. Christian hope is this idea that when we do die, there is hope. There is life after death. So these are the things that come up when we do a study of of hope. Um, Henry Nouwen, the devotional writer, uh, put it like this. Hope is not dependent on peace in the land, justice in the world, and success in business. Hope is willing to leave unanswered questions unanswered and unknown futures unknown. Hope makes you see God's guiding hand not only in the gentle and pleasant moments, but also in the shadows of disappointment and darkness. No one can truly say with certainty where he or she will be 10 or 20 years from now. You don't know if you'll be free or in captivity, if you'll be honored or despised, if you'll have many friends or few, if you'll be liked or rejected, but when you hold lightly these dreams and fears... You can be open to receive every day as a new day and to live your life as a unique expression of God's love for humankind. There's an old expression that says, as long as there is life, there is hope. And as Christians, we also say, as long as there is hope, there is life. How is your hope tonight? Any answer is okay. Um, would, if you just kind of pay attention to your interior world, would you, would you say, yeah, I, I feel hopeful? Uh, or maybe not. Well, how do we satisfy this longing for hope in God? Well, David needed hope. Uh, Tradition tells us he wrote this psalm when he was being hunted. Uh, And his life was not going the way he he thought it was supposed to go. Maybe, Maybe you're here tonight and life is not really going the way that you thought it was supposed to go. He's probably about 30. He's had this great moment where Samuel prophesies over him and says, you're going to be the king of Israel. And he has this great victory over Goliath. And he becomes friends with Jonathan. And all the stars were were aligning for him to be this great ruler and sit on the throne of Israel. And then Saul turns on him and hunts him down. He's running around the woods like an outlaw. And even his allies turn against him. He saves a city, and they go tell Saul where he's hiding. David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph, and then they went up to Saul. They said, come on, king, we'll surrender him to the king's hand. 
And then David flees from wilderness to wilderness area with a ragtag army to try to escape. And, and in, the, in the end of the story, Saul's about to get him and he hears the Philistines are attacking and he leaves and David escapes and the story ends. Therefore, the place was called the Rock of Escape. Now, maybe you're in the wilderness tonight. Maybe you need your own rock of escape. Maybe, maybe your life is not turning out like what was prophesied over you. Maybe you felt betrayed by a friend or an institution that you thought would help you. Well, how do we find hope in times like these? Well, we might imagine David sitting by a fire under the stars in this remote wilderness. And it is a very forbidding wilderness. It's not, um, it's not like the Smokies. It's not like uh, Vietnam. It's like uh, uh, Montana. It's a very rough and rugged, uh, barren place. And David just dives in, he gets right to the point. He says, oh God, save me. <laughs> Ever notice sometimes in prayer meetings, sometimes people feel like they've got to go all the way around the barn and get all the theology in there and cover all the bases and make sure you affirm his sovereignty so you don't get him ticked off. David just said, uh-uh-uh, save me. By your name, vindicate me. Oh God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. The strangers have risen against me. Ruthless men seek my life. They don't seek God. You know, now, now we're kind of into this paradox of hope because right, we, we've said it, it's, not, it's not that God promises to give you everything you want or solve all your problems or even prosper. We don't have those promises but that doesn't mean we just pray these dry, stoic, philosophical, cover your bases kind of prayers because we're so sophisticated to not fall for the prosperity gospel not like those other people. No, no, no. David models how you start when you need hope and you start by naming what you want, what you feel, where you are, gut-riching honesty. He gets honest really fast. Save me. And one of the things I, I'm going to do during Advent, encourage you to, to do in addition to the lovely devotional that's in the newsletter every Friday and the stars that we're going to kind of collectively put up there together, I'm trying to write a psalm myself at the end of every week. And I find that a very helpful practice to recenter and maybe you just start with, save me. Where do you need to be saved? Where do you need hope? You know, I think hope begins for a Christian is when you realize that when you sit around the campfire and you're listening to twigs cracking and you don't know what's out there and it's dark, you're not alone. There's someone that you can cry out to and say, save me. 
You know, Sandy and I have tried to broaden our, uh, our reading and our uh, TV watching just a little bit. Uh, our children accuse us of watching nothing other than Disney. Because <laughs> I just can't handle dark stuff. Life's dark enough, so we, we like Disney. But at any rate, we trying to stretch out. I've read a couple more novels that were a little edgier. We're watching a few things. And, and, and this maybe is a gross over-realization, over but the one takeaway as I'm kind of doing this is there's no hope. The characters have so little hope in, in, in the things that we watch and, and listen to and, and read. When they sit around the fire at night, these characters are alone. So for a Christian, this is where hope begins. Now, what's the point of this? Are we kind of asking you to do some some navel-gazing? Why not kind of just get on with it? Well, Because we are longing beings, and if we repress those longings, we miss an opportunity to move towards God. Uh, one of the best books I've, I've ever read is uh, by Gerald May. It's called Addiction and Grace. And here's how he begins. He says, after 20 years of listening to the yearnings of people's hearts, I'm convinced that all human beings have an inborn desire for God. Some of us have repressed this desire, bearing it beneath so many other interests that we are completely unaware of it. Or we may experience it in different ways as longing for wholeness, completion, or fulfillment. Regardless of how we describe it, it's a longing for love. So why, why even bother going over there and writing your, your longing on a star? Why write a psalm? Why be here tonight? I'm sure there's something good on TV. Why do this inner work? It's because when you name your longings, you get closer to God. That's where he lives. That's where you live. On the middle section of the psalm, David reaffirms what he believes. He says, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. This is another core belief that Christians have that give us hope. It's not only that we're not alone. It's that he helps. Whatever came up for you when you thought about what you need saving from, wherever you need hope tonight. God helps. There's help. Eddie Hellesman was a Dutch Jew imprisoned at Auschwitz, and they found some of her prayers um, Afterwards, she died at the age of 29. And one of the prayers has become known as the prayer from Auschwitz. 
And one day she wrote, You have made me so rich, O God. Please let me share your beauty with open hands. My life has become an uninterrupted dialogue with you, O God. One great dialogue. Some days when I stand in some corner of the camp, my feet planted on your earth, my eyes raised toward heaven, tears run down my face. Tears of deep emotion and gratitude. At night, too, when I lie in bed and rest in you, O God, tears of gratitude run down my face, and that is my prayer. I can't say I would have the faith to pray a prayer like that in a situation like that, but my goodness, what a model. Our hope isn't that we get free, even that the cancer goes away, even that the marriage happens or doesn't happen or is saved. All those are good things and we should talk to God about them and that's part of being a Christian but ultimately that can't be the source of our hope. The source of our hope is he helps, he's present, he's with. That's what we hope in, him. And yes, we hope our circumstances change but that's not the kind of hope we're talking about here tonight. Because the older you get, the more you realize there's a lot of things you can't change ever. God helps. And the unfairness of his situation is not lost on David. He prays for justice. He says, he will return the evil to my enemies and your faithfulness put an end to them. And you know, what, what's going on here? These are not prayers that we would normally pray. Well, one, he's, he's being very honest about his anger, and I think that's important. And two, he's saying, God, you take care of this, because I can't. Now, it's interesting, if you remember anything about the story of David, shortly after this, he actually has a change of fortune, catches Saul in a cave and can kill him, and lets him go and forgives him. And it's almost as if doing this work of anger being honest, saying horrible things. God, kill this. It's almost that that prepares him then that when he moves out into the world, he's able to love. I think this is moving towards hope too. It's at least in prayer, being honest about our anger, about who has hurt you and what has happened and how you feel. And saying anything you want to say. Because when you do that, it then frees you to move in love afterwards. And David ends with praise. With a free will offering, I'll sacrifice to you. I'll give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it's good. He's delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. God's name is God's character. And, and really now we're, we're down to the deepest source of Christian hope. 
He thanks him in advance because he knows God is good. He knows his character. He's experienced his deliverance again and again and again. He looks back and so he looks forward with hope because of God's character. And in the end, beloved, that is where our hope lies. It's not in more civility in our culture. It's not in the markets. It's not in politics. It's not even in health in our family. It's in the character of God. That's the only sure place for hope. Let's pray as we come to the table. Oh, would you awaken hope in our hearts tonight, Lord, as we begin Advent together? May we name what we hope for as honestly as we can. May we ask you for help. May we pay attention to the feelings that emerge as we name our longings. And may we trust in your character to be faithful to us. Awaken us tonight, Lord.